Okay, hello everyone, and welcome to the Meditations Podcast. I'm Sean. And I'm Philip. And yeah, as yeah. it's clear in our uh, little introduction in SoundCloud, uh, as many other philosophers in the past, saying that as if I'm a philosopher, Philip, but we'll, we're just going to be talking about things that we experience on our quotidian lives and observations that we've made. Uh, factoids that we find interesting things of that sort we're gonna start off by talking about the turkish turkish grand prix where botas lost control on turn nine i feel like this is a really important thing to say really it's the best way that we can start the podcast off what do you think yeah it's it's very important because you know, an F1 car is very hard to drive. Like, many people think that it's so expensive and so over-the-top, so it has to be, like, easy to drive. But, like, when you see someone who's not, like, a pro-racing driver drive it, they are absolute shit. They will, yeah. they will like, go five meters and then spin it around because they, the motor has way too much power. I mean, first off, they, they aren't even allowed... Like, if you don't yeah. have experience with F1, or if you're not a really avid fan, they won't allow you on a phone car, because it's no, legitimately they, dangerous for you. Yeah, but, like, they don't, they won't let you race, but uh, they, they, they will let you drive, because it's the team's car, and they can do whatever they want. Yeah, but it costs an incredible amount of money. I yeah, doubt like, that. Like, for example, TV shows. They, they have, do let them. Yeah. Oh yeah, but the TV shows pay enough money yeah, to, exactly. to or, make up for the damages. That yeah, or are. the PR team like gets, uh, let's say, YouTuber that drives cars. Yeah, true uh, say. Because they're more likely yeah, but, to watch F1. But they're, that's what I'm saying, they're avid F1 fans. Yeah. So they actually know how the machines work, probably better yeah. than some drivers, to yeah. be honest. But like, it's just incredible the amount of experience that you have to gain over the amount of your life to be able to drive an F1 car. So they start as soon as they can walk, but that's the um, that's the case with most professional athletes. If yeah, know. like they start like at five years old. With Less them. as soon as they can walk, they're doing the sport that they are pros at in the future. Yeah, and like they're they're racing with go karts, so they're they're not slow either. So like they go at like seventy. Yeah. So like imagine getting passed by a kid in an F in a go-kart that's like five years old it must be so demotivating but that happened to me a lot like did you ever have a sport where you were playing against someone that was younger but was way better than you yeah yeah it's yeah. it's shameful i mean it's impressive but it's still like your ego just rots yeah like when i was playing tennis there was this kid that had been playing since he was three years old oh no uh, he he beat me with like a racket the size of his leg <laughs> He was like running around with the big ass baseball bat. Yikes. What's your opinion on baseball, by the way? I mean, I don't really have an opinion on baseball because it's an American sport, so they only play it in America. Because they, for some reason. It's not they, true, they actually played in Japan as well. Yeah, and Venezuela, but they mainly play it in America. Like, it's the biggest sport in America. Eh, that's debatable. I mean, one of, one of the four. Yeah, true say. But, and then, like, they they have their own league, and then they call themselves world champions. Yeah. Like, that's absolutely unfounded. It's like, yeah, I'm the world champion of America. I mean, America. Yeah. They are the world. Yeah, I mean, I remember I... During a PE class, a teacher wanted to show us what baseball was like. But of course, this is in Portugal. There are no baseball courts. Baseball yeah. courts are huge, by the way. And did you know yeah. they all vary by court? There is no set like dimension for a baseball court. It really? They vary from court to court. It's really weird, yeah. I was on a call. Actually, I've been having a couple of problems falling asleep. And so <laughs> I couldn't sleep and I just got up from bed at like 5 a.m. or 4 a.m. and I called this old American friend that I have I haven't spoken to her in years and we just started talking 
And, of course, what's the first thing you're going to do while you're calling an American? How is Halloween? What is baseball? What is football? You know, yeah. questions like that. They're quintessential. You, you can't avoid them. Yeah, and you were saying sorry. That. And we just talked about it. And so she told me a bunch of facts about football and baseball that I would never even imagine. But what were you saying? And I think it's such a weird thing that instead of playing the, all the other sports that the rest of the world play, like actual football, not American football, and like te- and tennis and that stuff, they instead make their own sport that only they play, and they, they're by default the world champions. Yeah, but I mean, I think in that sense, America is really different from any other country. Yeah, because everything that's like part of their culture, it's kind of their own. Yeah, thing. yeah. Like, as we were talking about before, motorsports, they have NASCAR and IndyCar, which doesn't exist anywhere else. Yeah. Yeah, that's true, actually. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> we have something really interesting that we'd like to share with all of you. Uh, it's quite philosophical in a way, but yeah, you can just make up your own mind about it. a prank <laughs> what how is it a prank because it was not philosophical that's why oh so that's why it was funny yeah yeah God. <laughs> that's good so was, these were it was so good i had to explain it that's when you know you've achieved comedy yeah because there's this thing called humor and it's not funny unless you have to explain it to people Crusade. Well, might those, be the other way around. Those noises, if you didn't understand, are Michael Jackson making noises. That's the name of the video. It goes on for 10 hours. And, um. Well, please. Jackson aside. Yeah. Wait, well, did he say he's died? No. <laughs> Michael Jackson aside. His side. Aside, like. Oh, okay, yeah. We're done with him. Um, Maybe. Well, I mean, since we're on the topic about Michael Jackson's death, we may as well talk about Sean Connery's death. Which yeah. is something that's definitely worth mentioning. Something that's really sad. Yeah. That's. Uh, I think it's very sad because Sean Connery was like a big role model for a lot of people since he was like James Bond, the secret agent, the mystery man. It's kind of interesting. A couple of days after Sean Connery died, I got recommended a video randomly because I haven't even searched anything about James Bond. I got a recommendation on a video saying it was an interview titled Sean Connery Beats His Wife. And oh yeah, that it, you one. saw yeah, that too. Yeah, and it piqued my interest, and I watched it, and it was kind of odd. I don't know yeah. how to really describe it. Yeah, because apparently he thought that you could beat your wife, but with an open hand. You could yeah. not punch your wife, but you can slap her. And his reasoning behind it was interesting as well. I mean, he was obviously wrong. You should never, yeah. you know, violence is never something that you should resort to. Except if you have an open hand, apparently. Oh yes. Yes, and if you're James Bond as well. Yeah, James Bond, he can hit, he has earned the right to yes, hit anyone. Exactly. James Bond with license to beat his wife. <laughs> Wonder where he bought it. Yeah. Well, 
Yeah, it's actually kind of sad because when I used to live in Portugal, you know, my name is Sean, so it's quite an yeah. unusual name for, for Portugal. And every teacher or every adult that I ever met that wasn't, that didn't speak English had trouble pronouncing my name or saying my name. So the easiest way to make them understand how my name was pronounced was just was writing to Sean Connery. And they immediately understood for some odd reason. I, I, I don't even know how they learned how to say his name in the first place, but they knew exactly how to say my name after I said Sean Connery. And it's sad because... He's dead. He's dead. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And then, I mean, I, I grew up watching all those old Bond movies like Thunderball, Dr. No, Goldfinger, and yeah, he was quite a cool guy, honestly. He was awesome. Yeah, and he was very Scottish also. Like, oh, yes. if you would call him English, he would go full on James Bond on you and shoot you or something, or electrocute you like he did with Odd Job. <laughs> Odd Job was a a Asian henchman of Goldfinger, who threw his hat at people and they fucking died. That's interesting. Yeah, like he would cut off your head with his hat. I mean, I never, I was never really into those types of movies, really. I mean, I remember a lot of, there was a lot of hype around Indiana Jones. Yeah. I never really got past the first movie. <laughs> I mean, I watched it now, I don't know. I liked the monkey scene. The monkey scene was cool. Which one? So, he's, he's in some Egyptian place or something, yeah. Middle Eastern country, I don't know. Oh, yeah, when he's walking around with a monkey Yeah, on his there's a, this chill monkey, and the monkey is actually a traitor. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's crazy, but but he was a very cute monkey. I mean, I have to give him yeah, that. we have all had, except for Sean, then, we have all had a period where we would watch Indiana Jones all the time. Really? Like, there was this period of, like, two months where I just rented every Indiana Jones movie on iTunes, and I just watched them over and over again. <laughs> like, it got to the point where I, I knew every line. <laughs> Wait, really? Damn. Yeah. Yeah. Like, how many movies has that happened with with you? Because I, I mean, feel like I I I know you, I know you know all the lines for Star Wars. No, I I know like two or three. Okay. I mean, only the biggest one, like Luke, I am your father. I mean, everyone knows that. Yeah. But then, I mean, I have never really really been that good. But it's only the movies that I watch like over and over again. For example. When I was very small, there was this Lego movie, Lego Avengers movie that I thought was incredible for some reason. And you watched it over and over and you memorized everything. You know, like it got to a point where I wouldn't sleep when I watched it. Okay, try to guess what movie that happened with with me. Hmm. You seem like a Cars guy. Hell no, man. I forgot the name, but it's it's like it's raining meatballs. Cutting oh. <laughs> in a chance of meatball or something like that. I don't know. I don't remember the name. Oh, yeah. But every dinner, I used to sit down in front of the TV and eat while watching that movie. And my dad was so angry at me because he hated the movie. And I watched it every single night without like ever skipping a night. Yeah. And it was such a bad movie too. I don't even know why I liked it. <laughs> yeah, I think I have it on DVD somewhere. And I watched it once, and I was like, nah. Yeah. I mean, honestly, like, kids' movies are so weird. Yeah. I mean, there's a few good ones that you, like, like for nostalgia, like yeah. Cars and maybe... But I mean, then there's the example of directors who make kids' movies, but they they connect it to, like, an overall message or something yeah. of <clears throat> those sorts so that older people can relate to it. Yeah. And it also teaches good values to the children that are watching. Like Winnie the Pooh, for example. Yeah. A lot of older people rewatch the movie and really yeah. enjoy it because they really see what's going on under, under the hood. Yeah, I think Winnie the Pooh, uh, the Pooh Pew. was... <laughs> Pew. Winnie the Pooh was very interesting because the guy who created Winnie the Pooh was actually a Chinese Taoist. Yeah, I was actually going through a couple of... How can I explain this? There's this platform called Goodreads. Have you heard of it? Um, I have not. So it's f people who like reading. They basically 
recommend books. Yeah, they, yeah. They, they give their classifications on books and what they yeah. liked, what they didn't. But the good thing about Goodreads is that they start recommending you books based on the books you've read. Yeah. And I got recommended, like, Winnie the Taoist or something like that, but I didn't know the director was a Taoist. Yeah. So that's actually pretty interesting. Because he made them to, te- to like, teach Taoism, I think. That's really interesting. Perhaps that's why some uh, people from China like having Winnie the Pooh uh, art. Yeah. Perhaps. I mean, that's just just a theory. Yeah. Well, on the topic of Sean Connery's death, I think that's important, especially in the climate that we find ourselves in, where, you know, COVID is all around us and also the American elections just happened. Yeah. A really important thing is how can we find information that we actually trust and that we know is true? I mean, uh, we we could start off by like looking at journals and that stuff. But I mean, there's there's no really concrete way of finding good ex- good information. Like if you're looking about something specific, like a company or something, you can always check their website. But like, if you are looking for random facts and that stuff, you can. You, you basically just have to hope that your source is <laughs> uh, correct. Yeah. But then, social media, I think it's quite weird how it works, because nowadays we all try to like live by that. Everyone's opinion is equal. Mm. But then, what's happened on social media, because of this popularity complex and all that shit, it has just made it into my opinion is worth more than your fact yeah so like it has become like an opinion if coronavirus is a serious topic and it has become an opinion that the earth is flat yeah and they sit there and argue about it for hours on instagram and facebook and i mean it's it's odd because there's so many people who are who are conditioned essentially with the upbringing of technology to believe that they can genuinely make a change by, I don't know, sharing a post, for example, or signing yeah. a petition, yeah. which doesn't, you know, let's be honest here, it doesn't change anything. Yeah, like, it's a couple of petitions that I think are quite funny and absolutely useless, like, a petition to stop the war in Yemen. <laughs> like, I don't <coughs> think that they're going to stop it just because, oh no, a petition with 100,000 signings. Oh no, I gotta stop killing my opponents and starve to death and get executed. Like, and then, um, what I think is really interesting that we, as we were talking about that stuff with Flat Earth before, now, this, uh, these websites like Facebook and Instagram, they always use cookies and recommend to you stuff that you have been watching before so it can all start from that you 4 a.m in the morning just like accidentally clicked a video about flat earth and the cookies picked up on that and just like kept recommending and recommending and recommending that stuff to you so for example if you check a liberals facebook they will find completely you will find completely different facts than what you will find in a like hard left or hard right Republican. I mean, I, I suppose that's why it's up to the individual to seek the sources and him or herself instead of yeah. being, you know, recommended. Yeah, so and the thing is that amongst older people, they, like before they used to say, oh, I don't believe everything that you read on the internet, but now it has been <laughs> absolutely exactly. turned around. I know, right? It's so it's like, odd. They believe everything that they read on the internet whilst we young people don't believe everything and then like it has caused like for example america to be so polarized like if a for example a tiktoker that's obviously popular among young people got cancelled just because she was a registered republican and the other way around goes for some liberals that who get absolutely 
their career destroyed just because they're Democrats in an area that's Republican. So, like, for example, NASCAR and that stuff. I mean, even worse, leeching off your example on the cancel culture, I mean, imagine if you're a child, right? You're 10 years old, and you're on the internet, and you make a silly mistake, you know? Yeah. You call someone something you shouldn't have because you heard something or someone say on some video and you're basically your whole future, at least you're... Yeah, because people go all the way down and dig up your deepest... Yes, and and they do this before they even have concrete proof that the certain person did it. Yeah, like for example, uh, there's a famous director called James Gunn who directed Guardians of the Galaxy and that he got cancelled because uh, seven or eight years previous he posted something bad on MySpace of all places like people can't change it's not like oh no he posted something bad seven years ago on the social media that was basically the wild west back then and you could say whatever you wanted and Let's cancel his entire career and let's make him just go bring him to the end to like the edge of suicide just because he wrote something that I don't agree with. Yeah, but then it works the other way around. Then you have individuals who are put on a spotlight and have I mean, the only term that I can use here is simps really. They have a bunch of simps like yeah. smelling around their scent. Yeah. And whatever they do, whatever mistakes they do, they forgive them for it. And yeah. they, they keep supporting them and giving them money and giving them attention even though they've done horrid mistakes multiple times and they don't change even though they say that they have yeah like a good example of this is uh, last or two days ago as of this recording uh, it came out that trump made this website to fight legal battles and like states that he lost obviously because he won't be fighting legal battles in the states that he won so it said in fine text under that 60% or 40% of the earnings will go towards fighting the the courts and the rest of it may be used by Trump for personal reasons so he's basically going under the pretext that he is Fighting to keep his presidency and to help the people, and actually is p- profiting most of the money. Yeah. I mean, it's not the first time that Trump does something like this with charity. Like, it's kind of funny because as he was president, they found out that his charity had he had, he had pocketed money from his charity, which is illegal, of course, since you can't since you own your charity if you have one, but you you don't. You can't just take the money that's in it because that would be illegal and charity fraud or something. And um, since he was president, he he legally couldn't be accused of a crime. But instead, they made his children go to a a course on how to not steal from a charity. But like I I like to imagine just the court just like. You go to the course, and it's like, there's just a guy screaming at you, he's like, don't be a dickhead. (laughs) Don't steal from the charity, like, how hard can it be? I feel really bad for Trump's son, though. Have you, do you remember when there was a huge, like... Oh, yeah, yeah, his youngest son. Yeah, yeah. a huge movement to to save the, what's the name of his... Yeah, Baron Trump. Baron, Baron. Yeah. So, I mean, apparently this kid, you know, he, he goes to a school, obviously... But he, he isn't allowed to have any friends. Yeah. So he sits there on his own. No one talks to him because they can't. He can't talk to anyone. And he he really wants to play football, apparently. His dad doesn't let him. So yeah. he can't even play the one sport that he'd like to try out. And I mean, just just imagine. You, you probably can't do anything. You know, yeah. you have a parent that's hyper-paranoid about everything and everyone. Mm-hmm. He won't allow you to do sports. He won't allow you to read. He won't allow you to, to do anything. I mean... Yeah. And that's something that most people neglect about, like, the children of politicians, like, everything that they have to go to, like, for example, uh, Obama's daughter said that everyone at school just sees her as the president's daughter. She's not 
Malia, I think her name is. She's the president's daughter. And then you, she, like, she gets robbed of her childhood, basically, because Obama came in to presidency when she was, like, 11. And until she was 18, he was president. So, so, so she, she couldn't do basically anything. She couldn't go out with her friends. She couldn't, um, she couldn't do after school activities since security or secret service officers came and picked her up directly after school and she couldn't have a summer job. I mean, she managed to have one for like a week, but then like the restaurant that she worked at leaked that she had that she was working there and like thousands of people showed up and they and they couldn't like afford to give everyone food like they didn't have the supplies to do it so I mean it's quite sad because they get so affected by their parents politics yeah like there's probably people like in their class that wasn't friends with them just because Obama was a democrat Likely. And then, but that also relates to how parents impose their values upon their children. I understand that <clears throat> as a parent, you'd like to raise your own child the way that you know you imagine your child to be in the future. Yeah. But the thing is, you're supposed there are certain values that are common among any political ideology or any culture of the world, you know. And it, inclusiveness is an example that I'm thinking of right now yeah. and for example as a you know obviously I'm not a parent but yeah. if I was I would teach my kid no matter what your political ideology is you should be friends with everyone yeah. and you know the thing that there are kids on your example about poli- children of politicians how they can't get many friends maybe because yeah. of the fact that other kids don't want to be friends with them because their parents are associated with some political ideology. Yeah. It goes on to their parents because their parents are the ones who say don't be friends with X and Y because they're affiliated with this certain ideology, which is really sad. Yeah, like, just imagine like the people in Baron Trump's class, for example. Yeah. All of their parents, probably, or most of them, have at some point said that Trump is an idiot, probably. Yeah. And, of course, the children hear this and... They associate that with yeah. the Trump in their class. Exactly. And apparently he's a re- really sweet guy. I mean, from what I've heard, obviously, <clears throat> we get back to the uh, comment about how do we know our sources are trustworthy. Yeah. I don't know if this source is trustworthy, but I have heard that he is a nice person. Yeah. I remember some classmate of his spoke up about the fact that the only contact that she ever had with him was how she dropped her pencil once and he got up and picked the pencil up for her in the middle of the class. Which, you know, that's that's gentleman behavior. Not a lot of people would do that. And speaking of gentleman behavior, it's also interesting how, how much that's shifted. The term gentleman has altered so significantly in the past, I don't know, like before 50 it was years. Just, yeah, before it was just a new man. Yeah. Now she was just become like this nice, fancy guy. Uh, at least nice. Well, yeah, nice. But but <clears throat> in an odd way, I I often hear it being used in not such a great way because in the past you used gentleman as you know a man who yeah. or okay not woman but a man specifically who is very polite. Yeah. And nowadays, when someone calls you a gentleman, it's kind of like. It just feels out of place, you know? I, I don't know how to explain it. Often, not that often, but I often get called a gentleman. Oh, you're such a gentleman, you know? Yeah. But it's, it feels odd. It doesn't feel natural, you know? Uh, I mean, I think they're trying to compliment you because gentlemen are like, oh, you're so nice and well-behaved. Yeah. yeah. But it's just weird how much the actual term itself has changed. Yeah. Because, I mean, in the <clears throat> maybe it's not so much the term, but the, the usage or the frequency of which we use the term. Yeah. Because back then, you used it all the time. You know, oh, he's a gentleman you know, uh, when presenting someone. Yeah. Nowadays, you, 
rarely ever called someone a gentleman. Yeah. Just not even just being a gentleman, just politeness in general has yeah. changed so much. Yeah, like people aren't nearly as polite before as they were before. Yeah. Like for example, in Sweden, we don't even call our teachers Mister and Mrs. I know that was so weird for me to get used to. Yeah, like uh, for example, my dad back in his days in the seventies, he would just he would have to call his teachers like Magister Bruno or something like that. Or, what is that? Um, like male teacher Bruno. <laughs> like we don't call them Herr, we call them Magister. Okay. Fröken. Just mm. teacher. Anyway, moving on to our next topic, we are going to talk about. Uh, well, I mean, something very interesting that happened to me today is that I got a book. Yo! I know, I know, it's crazy. The book is called Trashed. It's by Durf. Back Durf. <laughs> it's an interesting name. Yeah, no, not at all fake. It's a, it's a graphic novel, and I actually never read a graphic novel before, but I know someone who's into it, and so I decided I'd give it a try. Yeah. I mean, he's holding it right now as we speak. And oh, yes. It looks quite a lot like a comic book. It's a very long comic book. Okay. I mean... So it's about the life of a trash man. Trash man, yeah. yeah. And uh, I don't know. The school was giving books for free. Did you see that? I did not see that. So you could just go into the library and you could pick. There was a basket of books that you could take for free. And I think all the good ones went away really quickly. But. this one seems interesting. I don't know. The The librarian had read it before, and he said it's really good. So I'll mm. give it a shot. Yeah. Never or always trust Yalta. Always trust Yalta. True yeah. safe. Yalta is our hero. Something else that I'd like to talk about, which is relatively disturbing, was uh, an explosion that happened relatively close to my house. I don't know. Why are these always things? Why do all of these things always happen relatively close to my house? Yeah, and the thing that's the most disturbing about it is that it was at a vault central, which is like a hospital junior here in Sweden. Like, if if you're really sick, you go to the hospital. But if you just have a fever, you go to the vault central, which is like, yeah, a beta uh, hospital, basically. Where they just and, and the most disturbing thing on top of that is that it's not the first time that it happened there. They yeah, first it, it happened it, two times. Yeah, the first time they did it outside of the building, and the second time they did it inside of the building. Yeah, so so what happened was that a 82-year-old woman who was going to the doctor, obviously, uh, is in intensive care unit right now as we are recording this podcast. I mean, it's, it's quite... It's, it was made by a gang, presumably, they, they have a theory that they're investigating currently, which is that one of the workers that works at Watsonfellen yeah. owed money to someone. Jesus Christ, that's an extreme take on debt collecting. Yeah. It's like, let's blow them up. I know, it's so odd. and This happened four months ago. And it's so weird because I live in an area that's known for just being families. Yeah. It's all families. It's like... All of my neighbors are super nice. And then yeah. four months ago, there was an explosion next to my house. So not that close. But I mean, it was like midnight around there. And I felt everything in my house shake. Thankfully, no one got hurt. And this time, two people got a bit injured. But a lot of people got hearing problems from yeah. it. But really, a lot of them. Like over 80. Jesus Christ. So, and then like, it really shows how the criminals have... Just absolutely stopped caring about people. I mean, the especially the gang, the gangs or the clans as they call them in Sweden, because they're usually made up of like five cousins that go together to sell drugs and make money. It's it's quite sad actually because people are don't feel safe on the street anymore because 
I mean, back in the day, Sweden was like the safest, like the safe country, and everyone had it good and that stuff. But recently, it has always changed. Like, if we go to like places like Biskopsgården and that stuff, it it's basically just a war zone these days. I've heard there are certain neighborhoods where even police doesn't dare to enter because they start yeah. throwing rocks at them. Yeah, and like, uh, for you, those of you who live in Gothenburg, you probably heard about that, but gangs have like, you know, road roadblocks. Mm-hmm. Like, a couple of gangsters just stand there and check every car that goes into a part of Gothenburg called Angered. Yeah. Like, how does it get away Doesn't that with kind of give you... Certain vibes from like, favelas. Yeah, I mean it. It's not as bad as the favelas, obviously. Of course, but like, it's it, getting there. <laughs> yeah, like it's only getting worse and worse. That's the sad part. Because, I mean, I know it's not a PC fault if you say so, but like, it really started, like ramped up back when a lot of immigrants from like Somalia and that stuff came in and. Because the government had this policy that, like, either you can live in a refugee home, or they can give you an X amount of money and you can go out and buy your own house and live with your, with your family in a, in a real building. So, of course, since it's the government, they didn't give them enough money to live in a good area. So, they went to live in these places that were cheap, like Biscop's Gordon. And since they were all from the same place and they spoke relatively similar, like if, for example, a bunch of Norwegian, Swedish and Danish people went to live somewhere else, they would, their languages are quite similar, so they could understand each other. Therefore, like, they don't learn Swedish. Hmm. And I think it's quite sad, since they don't really get integrated into society. Like, they live in their micro-societies, or, like, their micro-towns over in the bad parts of Gothenburg. Yeah. Mm. Actually, something that's relatively similar to this topic, have you seen a movie called City of God? I have not. It's actually a really good movie, you should check it out. It's this... How can I explain it even? It's this story that's that occurs in a favela in Rio. And it's about it's actual they're not actors, they're actual people from the favela that are filming the movie. Yeah. But they actually they're really good actors. Really, really good actors. Wait, so are they acting or are they just filming their life? Like a documentary? They're they're acting. But they're, they are, the people are actually from yeah. the, that favela. Yeah. And the story is absolutely heartbreaking. It's about this, I mean, essentially there's this main character who wants to become a photographer. Yeah. And he manages to leave the favela. But the main line of the movie is something like, uh, if you leave the town, the monster will eat you. But if you stay, the monster will eat you as well. Like, no matter where you go, the favela will always follow you, yeah. essentially. And it's it's a heartbreaking movie. There's a scene where... Um, how can I explain this? There's there's a couple of... At a certain point in the story, uh, there there's this one gangster who takes over everyone. And his method of dealing with uh, any sort of... Uh, Competition. competition is just to eliminate them yeah. completely so he goes there and he just kills everyone yeah. and there's the these kids this group of kids who wants to aspire to be like this guy like this gangster mm-hmm. and so they they form a gang all of these little kids and they're only about five six years old mm-hmm. and they're they steal a couple of things from a store mm-hmm. and then they still chicken particularly and uh, they sat down and they were eating the chicken and at a certain point of the conversation they because the thing is this new gangster that's in town 
if you ever have problems with anything, especially security, yeah. you talk to the gangster and the gangster fixes the problems for you. Oh. So the owner of the store spoke to this gangster so that he could do something yeah. to, to help, you know, the kids that are still in his store every day. Yeah. So they're, the kids are sitting down, they're eating this chicken, right? And then here comes the, the gangster and his group. Yeah. And at that specific point, they're talking about how they're going to oh, I want to be like, you know, the big gangster of this town and just yeah. kill everyone. And then, you know, there comes the gangster with a gun, you know, who are you going to kill, you know? And so all of the kids run away because, you know, obviously they know what's about to happen. Yeah. But two kids stay. Yeah. One of the kids is the main leader of that gang, the small kids gang. Yeah. And the other kid is just a poor, innocent four-year-old or yeah. something like that. And uh, there's this scene where they're pushed against this wall. And on this the main gangster, yeah. he brought along a, a young child with him. Don't ask yeah. me why, I have absolutely no idea why. But they gave him the gun, yeah. and they point him at him, and they say, do you want to be shot in the foot or on the hand? And the little kid says, uh, hand, and they yeah. shoot him in the foot, you know, obviously. Yeah. It's a good old switcheroo. Yeah. But the four-year-old, the scene where he's crying is yeah. so heartbreaking. Like, yeah. I, I actually cried. I yeah. never cried during movies, but it was so sad. Mm -hmm. Wait, actually, wait. Let me see if I can find it. Maybe you can watch it now. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, I mean, in Brazil, and the, those places, it's quite a very different, a uh, very difficult problem to solve, because, I mean, all these gangsters and people like that, they basically rule the favelas. Because yeah. uh, the police basically can't get in. And the, the only way for the police to get in is, like, through violence. Like, they just have to kill every gangster in there, like they do in Afghanistan. Uh, but if they do that, they're inhumane. But if they don't, they're bad because they let the gangsters rule the palaces. So, I mean, it's, it's just a paradox. Like, there's nothing the police can do, really. There's nothing anyone anyone can do. They're too yeah. far down the rabbit hole to do anything at this point. Yeah, like the only the only thing that I can see is like if Brazil stopped being such a unfair and corrupt country and like have a more equal society, because all of these favelas and all of that stuff exist because it's so unequal, and by that time there wouldn't be anybody who is subjected to this rule because there can't be any there's just empty buildings at that point since nobody actually lives in the favela and the interesting thing about the the whole Brazil situation is that people often when we're talking about countries that are extremely polarized the first thing that comes to mind is America right? yeah. especially with politics yeah, well, that is a fact they're extremely polarized yeah but I'm talking about Economical polarization. Like yeah, that's where I'm getting into. Oh, yeah. The thing is, in Brazil, the polarization that exists in terms of economy is insane. Yeah, like ev like a few people have everything. Yeah. Uh, yeah, like there was this big scandal that came out uh, called uh, about Petrogas or something, Petrobras, which was the Brazilian oil company where there were politicians, businessmen, everything. They were all just stealing money perpetually from the government. Like, it was insane. And these, like Petrobras, which was a oil company now, uh, they were building an entire town full of, like, 40,000 people for their oil operations, of course. And then from one t day to the other, they just left. And they just left for 40,000 people without a job. And then they, of course, turned dirt poor because, yeah, you can't, if you can't find a job, you can't earn any money. And, I mean, this is, the situation really became very sad because, so, in a Swedish program, they went over there and they showed the, the like, line to the work, or the, I don't know what it's called, like, in Swedish it's called Arbetsförmedlingen, uh, it's like, the jobs uh, 
like the government's place where you can find jobs. And it was hours long, just on a Monday. Well, I managed to find the scene that I was talking about. I'm, there's probably a lot that can be understood from the audio. I'll try not to blast everything. Where did it go? Um, even the clothes are really nice. That's a good looking gangster. The expression on the kid's face. Tell me yeah. that doesn't look real as well. Yeah. I know it seems ridiculous to actually cry over a scene like this, but there's obviously more to this story, right? Yeah. heartbreaking and I mean the fact that there are actual children who are suffering like this today as we speak yeah. and I mean the sad thing is that for some reason like recent years people start have started thinking that it's cool to be a gangster or like especially I think because of the popularity of these this gangster rap and all that things that is talk about uh, drugs and gangs and all of that stuff and I think it's really quite sad because for example at my old school uh, which is in a very Swedish part of Sweden that which is basically a bunch of Swedes and one Syrian and for some reason like without any provocation people start who have lived in Sweden in their entire lives they start speaking like as if they just came here and that's only because that's how their friends over in the hood a few a few times uh, or a few towns away speak so they choose to hang out with these people that that uh, deal drugs and deal cigarettes to minors and all that stuff I mean it's quite sad because it's destroying uh, many kids lives and getting them into drugs and all that yeah. and the, the thing is it's so odd because at the end of the day it's the kids choice yeah. no matter what your upbringing is no matter how much as a parent you try to make your kid not fall into these temptations like <clears throat> drugs or alcohol or this or that if they want to do it they're going to do it yeah like for example um, for example uh, there was this this kid in Dr. Phil who was going uh, acting all like a gangster in Dr. Phil yeah Dr. Phil Everyone's the Dr. Phil? Yeah, the Dr. Phil, the man with the mustache. Whoa. Yeah, I know. He, so, instead of, like, trying to speak to him uh, personally, he brought in a real gangster who, who just destroyed this en entire kid's logic about the hood and all of that stuff. And he, he told him, like, yo, I... I wasn't a gangster yo. because I, I <laughs> he thought, told him yo. I wasn't a gangster because I wanted to or I thought it was cool. I did it because I had to. Like I I can't just go around starving to death. And then that's another thing that I think is quite bad about America. It's a they have no safety system if 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 your income fucks up. Like, yeah. they, for some reason, America, like, every country has this, like, inbuilt value. So, for example, Sweden has, like, this inbuilt value that nobody's better than anybody else, which we call Jantelagen, and Finland has the Sisu, which is some form of Finnish courage, and uh, Japan has this Hirai, 
Fuck, I can't say it. Hierarchy. Hierarchy. And in America, that is literally like every man for himself. But the thing is that in a modern society, it simply doesn't work. Like back in the day, it worked because it was better than what we have. Yeah, I mean, there were just less people talking about it. Yeah, and I mean, it was probably more relative. Yeah. Also, since everyone was poor before they implemented the system. Yeah. Just that they weren't being ruled by a dictator anymore. They. But um, as society evolved, and for example, during after World War Two, everyone got public health care, and America stayed with this old value that every man for himself, and that has led to the to the uh, to the poverty and to the inequality that we see in America today. So the last thing that I'd like to talk about in our first. Uh, in our pilot episode yeah. of Meditations podcast, has to do with philosophy. Because if we're going to talk, if we're going to use the title of Meditations, then we yeah. ought to talk about philosophy. So I've been reading this book by a Roman emperor by the name of Marcus Aurelius, who was also a Stoic philosopher, and um, he has this really interesting observation that he wrote down on this book. And it's interesting because this book wasn't made as as a philosophical book, really. I mean, it was a philosophical book, but it wasn't made to be a book, something that you sit down and you read and you learn. It was essentially just a, a conglomerate of a bunch of thought experiments that he came up with and he decided to write down. He didn't expect this book to be published to anyone. So... At the start of the third book of the collection of meditations, he says, We ought to consider not only that our life is daily wasting away, and a smaller part of it is left, but another thing also must be taken into the account, that if a man should live longer, it is quite uncertain whether the understanding will still continue sufficient for the comprehension of things, and retain the power of contemplation which strives to acquire the knowledge of the divine and the human. For if he shall begin to fall into dotage, perspiration, and nutrition, and imagination, and appetite, and whatever else there is of the kind, will not fail, but the power of making use of ourselves, and filling up the measure of our duty, and clearly separating all appearances, and considering whether a man should now depart from a life, and whatever else of the kind absolutely requires a disciplined reason, all this is already extinguished. We must make haste then, not only because we are daily nearer to death, but also because of the conception of the things that, and the understanding of them cease first. I found this paragraph extremely interesting, because what Marcus Aurelius is saying here is that the value of, a, of your life decreases as you grow older, because your ability to contemplate becomes worse i mean the ability to contemplate how does that become worse though like because i mean he said it explicitly you begin to fall into dotage you start he said perspirating i don't understand why perspirating means sweating everyone sweats (laughs) yeah like but the thing is that back in the days like seniority that was seen as exactly as why wisdom exactly and i thought about that how since the beginning of civilization they always put the eldest yeah. people at the top of society so i found it extremely odd yeah because he was a roman emperor that was back in the day where old men were like top-notch yeah. wise people exactly and i can understand how it makes sense in terms of a productive society of course someone who's in their mid-20s will be more productive to a society than an old man who's living yeah. on pension. But still, defining the value of a life simply because of their ability to contemplate seems really odd. Yeah, especially because most people don't really sit and contemplate that much. Like, well, we do. We just don't realize it. Yeah. But like, can you really set the value to a life, though? Like, do you mean value in terms of 
Or like a rank. Who is worse? Who, who is worth more and who is worth less? Because an old man who's a politician, he could contrib- contribute more than a 25-year-old man who happens to be work at McDonald's. Yeah, of course. But that's, that's a really valid point. And it makes a good counter-argument to Aurelius' uh, paragraph. Because what he's doing is simply defining the value of a life merely because of philosophy, merely because of their ability to contemplate. Yeah. And, I mean, we're talking about an extremely intelligent man. This isn't some, you know, weird dude. Yeah, this isn't some bloke. Yeah, dude. some hobo. Yeah, because this man probably had the best teachers around since he was the emperor of the, of the empire at the time. Oh, yeah. The Roman Empire was the empire. Oh, and, and he's... He's considered as a good philosopher. And I'm scared that I perhaps misinterpreted this paragraph because I think about it really often. More often than I should, probably. Because it seems like something kind of stupid to think about. But, I mean, just... It's the first point that you brought up. I mean, historically, people have always put the eldest people at the top of society. Especially at this time that this book was written. And so I don't... I don't understand... In a way, since it was just a thought experiment, yeah. maybe it's him asking in a certain way, well, what defines the value of a life? Yeah. But why does he say it so confidently then? Yeah. And, um, I think it's quite an impre- uh, like interesting how the Greeks and the Romans, they were sitting there dealing with the same questions that we have today. Yeah. Like... 2,000, 3,000 years ago, they were sitting there contemplating, like, yeah, the same things that we are contemplating today with modern medicine and everything. Yeah. Like, they sit there contemplating, like, at what cost do we save a life? And, and like, if someone is, like, have, or has, like, a 1% chance of surviving a car crash or something, do we fight for him to survive? Because all, all it's going to do is prolong his suffering, but he might live, or we can just put him out of his misery, and we will save some money and time. Like, because I think the, the, what's it called, the value of a life here in Sweden, according to the, the medical system, is, I think, 100,000 crowns or or 1 million crowns, I don't remember. Like, who puts, like, a value to a human life? I think that's that's a very disturbing thought. That there, there's some accountant or something at the at the government. So like, it's Mika. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. It, it's Mika who's an accountant. Like, he he just decides. Fuck it. This person is worth seven thousand because he's bad. It's like, who, he just who says it on a whim as well. He's just yeah. like, mm, what's a number that sounds nice? Yeah, it's like random number generator. Oh, a JavaScript. He could yeah. do it in JavaScript. Yeah, he could. Yeah. Vinay has probably done one. <laughs> Vinay, he calculates the, the grade of someone. I mean, I doubt, I doubt it, but Vinay has done random number generators. That's a fact. Yeah. So, yeah. well, you know, as... As somebody who hasn't read philosophy, what do you think is a good book to start off with? That's a good question. Firstly, there are many different approaches that you can take to learning philosophy. You first have to determine why you're learning philosophy. Is it because you're merely interested in the general idea that you have of a subject? Or do you have this particular philosophy that you want to dive deeper into? Maybe there's a particular philosopher you want to dive deeper into. So I think the first question you should ask yourself is, do you want to learn Western philosophy or Eastern philosophy? The main thing is that Eastern philosophy focuses on how to be happy, essentially, how to do more with less. And Western philosophy deals with things such as values, ethics, morals. Yeah, yeah what's like wrong and right. Yeah, right exactly. Yeah. Things of this sort. So, I think a really good book for starters is, uh, I believe it's called The Pig That Wants to Be Eaten. And it's, mm-hmm. I think, 
a hundred thought experiments that really make you think and give you a good introduction to some of the most popular questions in philosophy. Yeah. And yeah, that's a really good question. I mean, there are people who just go cold turkey and start reading the Greeks yeah. on the first day of philosophy, but I wouldn't recommend that. Yeah. Well, okay. with it that... looks like our time has come to an end. Yes. And we will be back at some point, presumably, because this is our class project, and we will... And we want to graduate. Yes, indeed. Next week, then. Yeah. We okay. shall return and speak more to you. Thank yeah. you for listening.